We are celebrating and honoring our veterans this morning, and I'm so excited to do that. You know, we have heroes among us, both in the sanctuary, outside in the courtyard, on the patio. If you are a veteran, I want you to stand up, active or have served in the armed forces. Go ahead and stand up. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to go ahead and have you take a seat. We want to thank you this morning. Listen, Eagle Ridge Church loves you. We love our veterans. The city of Menifee loves you. Our nation loves you. You are heroes. No matter what you did in the service, what era you served, what uh, conflict, combat, or not, you are heroes. We have freedoms today because of you. You sacrificed your time, and, and we're not going to let those freedoms go. Amen? Amen. And so we want to honor our vets today. We've got uh, some what I call superheroes among us, and I want to call up a couple of individuals who are going to help me uh, bless our veterans today. We have Lieutenant Colonel Randy Carlson. He is a hero that serves here. Randy? Amen. Come on up, brother. You are so faithful. I love you. You are my hero. We have General Randy Ball. Come on up, Randy. Randy, come on over here. Randy is, he's my hero. He's our hero. He's a servant of the Lord. He's a general. Retired. Hey. Very, very retired. But you told me to say you were a general. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. We're good friends. But listen, I, I just, I'm sorry, brother. I couldn't help it. He's not like that at all. That's why I tease him. He's so humble, and, I, and trust me, he is. When, they, when Randy and Cindy first came on campus and just immediately started serving the Lord, he was out there doing little things, picking up stuff and cleaning things up, and it's like that is a servant leader. Amen? Amen. And so both these gentlemen are amazing. You guys are my heroes. Everybody, give them a hand. Everybody loves them. Amen. <laughs> I broke the ice with that, didn't I? Okay, all right. And then, listen, we live in the greatest city. We do. Menifee is an amazing place. When I first moved out here, Catherine and I moved out here many years ago, the population was, listen to this, it was only 14,000 when we first moved out here. Uh, we're over 100,000 now. That's amazing. And so, of course, with that kind of growth, exponential growth, you're going to have a lot of challenges and stuff. But listen, we've got just the individual who's leading us. He's an amazing, probably one of the best mayors in the United States, my dear friend, Mayor Bill Zimmerman. Yes, sir. On the civilian side. Okay. So we have these wonderful certificates. And listen, if you're out in the patio and you're a veteran, I hope you can hear me. 
If you're out on the far patio, I know we've got a couple of vets sitting out there listening. I want you to start making your way inside the sanctuary, guys and, and gals. If you're a veteran, we are going to present to you this beautiful certificate of appreciation. United States veteran, it says, your dedication to our country and its military is commendable and an honorable addition to the fight for freedom throughout the world. And then it says, thank you. It's signed by General Randy Ball, Lieutenant Colonel Randy Carlson, our mayor, Bill Zimmerman, and myself. And so we, in appreciation, want to present these certificates to you. Amen. So veterans, come on up. And as they're coming up, you can give them applause. Come on up. Yeah, come up this way. Come on up this way, guys. Up this way. You got to shake our hands. Thank you so much, sir. Here we go. Thank you. Here you go. Thank you. Here you go, Jay. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. <laughs> there you go, Bob. Thank you for your service, brother. Here you go, Bob. Thank you for your service. Appreciate you. Look at this. Wow. Thank you for your service. Here you go, bud. Thank you for your service. Ryan, thank you for your service. All right, man. Thank you for your service. Thanks, sir. There you go. Thank you for your service. Here you go, Jesse. Thank you for your service. Yep. Joe, thank you for your service. Love you. There you go, sir. Thank you for your service. Appreciate you. There you go. Thank, hey, thank you for your service. Okay. Here you go, Joe. Thank you for your service. Hey, Abigail. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. There you go, bro. Okay. Thank you. There you go. Thank you for your service. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you for your service. Let's give him a big hand. We love you. First and foremost, we're free because Jesus set us free. We're free here in this land, this great country, because of your service. Let's give them one more hand. We love you. Amen. Now, don't sit down yet. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you for this tremendous display of appreciation and love.
We love our veterans. God, we just pray for every family represented here. It's a veteran family. We pray, God, that you'd meet their needs, that you'd bless them, that you'd encourage their spirit, Lord God. We thank you for our heroes in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, I think you could say with confidence that we here at Eagle Ridge Church love our veterans. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, this morning, we are picking up in Romans. We're in chapter 14. Can you turn there, please, in your smart device? Some of you even have Bibles, so go ahead and open them up. (laughs) Are the lights up enough for you to see? Up a little bit more, guys. Thank you. This morning's message is about unity. Paul addresses a concern that he has about unity. So I want to pray because before I get into the Scripture because I think I've seen, and I, I believe you'll probably agree with me, that over the last number of years, we've seen more division, more strife than I think we've ever experienced. And so let's pray. Father, we pray that your word in Romans 14 ministers to and through us, God, Remove me from complicating the Scripture, God. I pray that you would touch hearts, minister to souls, bring the change that's needed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So the, the title today is Unity Among Believers. And, and Paul's concerned. He, he's dealing with a number of things in Romans. He's dealing with just all kinds of dynamics that really are represented to the dynamics that we deal with today. And his great concern is that believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, are unified. And primarily, we're unified on the majors. That's crucial. That's a need. We need to be unified on what I would call the majors. What are the majors? Well, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That, that's a major, the virgin birth. That's a major. I mean, you can't say you believe in Jesus and not believe that he's the son of God, right? That he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave. Those are majors, non-negotiable. It, that's what identifies us as, as the church, the family of God, when we acknowledge and believe that. Amen? Amen. But there's what I call the, the non-biggies. They might be biggie to you, but they're non-biggies. And they're things like what you eat, what you look like, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes people make those biggies, right? And it creates divisions at times. And so this is what what the Apostle Paul is dealing with. And as believers, as the church of Jesus Christ, Jesus has given us a tremendous amount of liberty and freedom. Liberty and freedom comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But yet, we need to be careful. And Paul's concern is for fellow Christians who he describes as as weak, those who are still shackled in some way uh, by restrictions in which they formerly lived. That's a big paraphrase of what we're going to look at. So our text this morning is Romans Chapter 14, starting with verse 1, here we go. As for the one who is weak in faith, listen to what Paul says, welcome him. 
but not to quarrel over opinions. We haven't been doing that recently, at least in the political realm, have we? We haven't been quarreling. I'm being facetious. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So that's verses 1 through 3. And and Paul's not, again, he's not speaking of doctrinal or, or, or moral compromise. Sometimes people package those things the non-biggies, into doctrinal or moral issues. Uh, He's he's speaking of believers, Jews and and Gentiles alike, who are weak in their understanding of and and living out their faith in Christ Jesus. I, I like what John MacArthur says. He says, the particular danger to unity that Paul addresses in Romans chapter 14 is the conflict that easily arises between those to whom he refers as strong and weak believers. Now listen to what he says. It it gives us a great definition of what's going on. Those who are mature in the faith and those who are immature, those who understand and enjoy freedom in Christ and those who still feel either shackled or threatened by by certain religious and cultural taboos and practices that were deeply ingrained in parts of their lives before coming to Christ, you see. And so here's the backdrop. Paul's dealing with the early church, obviously, and many uh, Jews had come to faith in Christ. They, they couldn't bring themselves to, to discard the ceremonial laws that they were so ingrained in and the practices they had learned from early childhood. They, were, they still felt compelled to, for example, comply with the Mosaic dietary laws. If you've ever read the book of Leviticus, it lays out all the dietary laws. Uh, or to strictly observe the Sabbath, you know, sundown Friday to sunup the following day. And, and ev- even other sacrifices that were taking place in the temple. But on the other hand... Converted Gentiles, Gentiles or non-Jews, they had been steeped in in these pagan rituals of of, of animal sacrifice, sacrifice to to demonic deities. Obviously, they didn't realize they were demonic deities. And and many Gentiles, for for example, they couldn't bring themselves after conversion, after becoming born again, they couldn't bring themselves to to eat meat that had been offered to, to pagan idols or deities that were sold in the marketplace. And keep in mind, if you've ever been to those, what I would call an old world marketplace, it's a fascinating um, experience, probably similar to farmer's markets that we have in our communities. Catherine and I were walking through the old city of Jerusalem, and they have these uh, quarters. They've got the um, Muslim quarter, the Jewish quarter. They've got the Greek quarter, uh, the Armenian quarter, and they've got what you would think is like a market, an outdoor market, like a farmer's market. And there's, that's where you go and you shop, and everything's out, and it's, it, it's right there. And, and so when you don't really know the background of where these prog- products came from. And some of the Gentiles were worried about uh, 
how those products came to be presented for sale, where they offered to some kind of pagan deity. And the Jews, again, going back to the Jews, they were steeped in, in tradition and ceremony. Even after, many of them, even after being saved, felt like they needed to comply to those strict standards. So here, here's how Paul kind of identifies, interesting enough, the strong Christian is the one who understands his liberty in Christ, freedom in Christ. And he identifies the weak believers, that person who's still steeped in tradition, that still has to feel the need to comply to all the different standards and ceremonies and things that were ingrained since childhood. Legalism, you could use the verbiage there. And so understand something here. As we read Scripture, as we grow in the faith, I, I believe there's a process of spiritual, there's a spiritual continuum. There's a process that we grow. In other words, when you are introduced to Christ, when you realize that God loves you so much, hear me out on this, and you realize that he sent his son to die on the cross for you, and that he did that to save you, to forgive you of all of your sins, that when you embrace Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are given a gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins. That's an amazing experience. That's an amazing event in our lives. Jesus puts and frames it in the words of being born again in John chapter 3 when he's talking to Nicodemus. So when that takes place, we're, we're set free. And, and we're not saved because we do things. It's not based on how good we are. Because none of us, quite frankly, as the Bible says, we're not good enough to go to heaven. We need a Savior. And so Christ is our Savior. But more often than not, and I think we've all probably been guilty of this at times, we, we want to bring things into our salvation. We want to bring things into what we would identify as spiritual maturity. That if we do certain things, aspects of religious life, it, it, they're identifiers that were spiritually mature. And, and Paul was dealing with that. And he says in the first part of verse 1 of chapter 14, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. It's interesting. That, that phrase, welcome him or her, obviously. In other words, accept them. If we were to do a word study this was written in Greek, and that Greek phrase, welcome him or accept him, accept that individual, welcome that individual who's weak in faith, that phrase or word is actually a compound verb, and it's not a suggestion. It's, in reality, a command. Paul's not saying, hey, just, just be nice. <laughs> welcome, accept the weaker person who might be struggling with all these different things that we're discussing this morning. Just accept them, welcome them. He's, he's not, he says, you have to. It's, it's a command. A and then that term weak in the Greek, it, it's fascinating when you do word studies. It translates that it's a temporary condition. They're in transition. They're in process. They're in that continuum of, of spiritual growth. So when you look at somebody like, oh, yeah, they're just a baby Christian. You know, they're not very mature. 
and, and you watch how they live, and they think, hey, we're all in process, amen? Until we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, we're in process. So we have to be careful how we assess people, how we judge people. And you, you know the saying, you can't judge a book by its cover, right? I remember early on as a pastor, I don't think I looked like a pastor, and I'm not sure if I look like one now. I don't know. You might think I do, but I remember sometimes people would introduce me like a pastor, and they'd kind of look, they'd go like, you know, <laughs> you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, re- I, I read body language. I think most of us do, and it's like, well, thanks, man. <laughs> I remember I pulled up to the hospital in my Harley, got off to go visit somebody. And I pulled up to the clergy parking. That's cool, by the way. I mean, that is cool. Pulling up, you know, I just, that's the only reason I have a Harley. It just, it, I just, it's like that. Anytime I'm on it, I finally, I feel cool, okay? So I pull up in the clergy parking. I had this older woman, I mean, she was red mad come up. She goes, this is for pastors. I go, yes, ma'am, I, I know that. She goes, well, you're not a pastor. And I go, well... And so we had a nice conversation. <laughs> so the law observing Jewish Christians, listen, according to Paul here in, in Romans 14, the law observing Jewish Christians are classified as weak, and the liberated Gentile Christians are called strong. And so now there's this natural tension between the two. And my first point this morning is Paul is calling for the loving expression of unity within the church. I mean, if we can't be unified, the, church, the world's watching us. If we can't be unified, why would anybody want to become a Christian? Why would anybody be attracted to come to church? We, we need to fight for, not like really fight, but we need to strive for, that's a better word. We need to strive for unity within the church, amen? Here's what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verses 20. Through 21. I have it on the screen. It says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but, I, but also for all who will ever believe in me. So Jesus is praying for you and I right here. He's not only praying for his disciples at that present time, but he's praying for us, all who will ever believe in me. Through their message, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may be in us that the world will believe you sent me. So this, this idea of being unified together on, on the majors, we're not going to agree on everything, but we need to agree, agree that God loves us. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. We've got to agree on that, uh, that he died on the cross. He didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day. The only way that you can go to heaven, the only way that you can go to heaven, listen, the only way you can have eternal life and forgiveness of sins is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. And so that's unity. And and Christ is praying for unity. And when the world sees Christians unified and not infighting, the, the propagation of the gospel, propagation means the sending out, the going forth, the propagation of the gospel, the gospel message. Gospel means good news. The good news of the gospel is more likely to take place because we've got something good. We, we've got something that's the best. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, freedom in Christ. Here's what uh, Paul beautifully explains. He, 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 he not only is stating in a very uh, strong terms, commanding, as it were, that we're unified, that we accept, but in that acceptance of, 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 of coming together on the essentials of the faith and focusing not on the color of the carpet or the times of the services, but on the fact that Jesus has called us to let everybody know the good news of the gospel. And then once we receive that gospel message, we are to grow in our faith. You got that? Amen? So it, it's a wonderful thing in the church. I mean, we've got people here that are different sizes, shapes, colors, different backgrounds. We've, you know, just all different. We're diverse. Some might even say we're eclectic, right, here at Eagle Ridge Church. We're diverse. And yet that's the beauty of Christianity. It, that's the connection. That's the kindred spirit. That's what brings us together. It, that, that beauty of diversity. Paul explains it this way in 1 Corinthians 12, 17 and 18. He says, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? I mean, if we all came here looking like eyes. <laughs> or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? I don't know how that works. <laughs> but, our but our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. Ear, eye, the nose. We're diverse. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Looks like a typo there. That's interesting. Now, Romans 14.4 says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Remember, Paul's addressing believers. Who are you to pass judgment on another believer? It is before his own master, the Lord, that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So it's that relationship that someone has with the Lord that's between them. And verse 5 and 6 says, One person esteems one day as better than the other, another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind the one who observes the day observes it in the honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. And so we've all encountered individuals, and you might be that individual who says, no, you've got to worship the Lord on this day, or you can't eat this food. You know, it, it's a representation of your spiritual maturity, and it really isn't. It really isn't. That's what Paul's saying. We celebrate on Sunday. Does anybody know why we celebrate the Lord's Day? The resurrection. You're right. Jesus Christ rose from the grave on Sunday. And we, so we come together celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The new covenant that he established by his shed blood. The life abundant that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying, you know, one might say that this, you got to only worship on this day or you can only eat these kinds of foods and things like that. And those things create dissension. Now, you might be called or felt, feel compelled to 
do certain things. And, and Paul goes on to say, that's okay, but don't put that burden on others. Years ago in construction, I grew up in the construction industry working with my hands. I remember one of my buddies, he got uh, plugged in. He was saved, but he got plugged in to a church that uh, what I would refer to as very legalistic. And, and one day he said, uh, Steve, don't you want to please the Lord? I said, absolutely. He goes, well, how come you don't worship on Saturday, on the Sabbath? And so we had a lot of conversations about that. And, and that's exactly what Paul's addressing right here, those kinds of con- conversations, judging someone, okay? I, I love this illustration about two giants in the faith during the Victorian era in England, Charles Spurgeon, you've heard the name. But another name you probably haven't heard is Joseph Parker. They were both mighty preachers. They were both very good friends, and they would even share each other's pulpit until one day they had a disagreement, and the reports of that disagreement went into the newspaper. The newspaper was their form of Facebook back then, right? And so so this disagreement that Joseph Parker had with Charles Spurgeon and Charles Spurgeon had with uh, Joseph Parker, it got into the newspapers. You see, Spurgeon accused Parker of going to the theater, not being very spiritual because he enjoyed going to the theater. Where they, you know, Back then, they didn't have film. They had plays. So he went to the theater, and that was not a sign of his spiritual maturity. And then Parker had issue because Spurgeon smoked cigars. And so one day, Charles Spurgeon, the, the great preacher who many pastors quote, he was rock solid. And during that day, that was a cultural accepted thing. In fact, many pulpits had ashtrays in them. In fact, I've got one right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys remember, remember Gene Scott? Remember that? Some of you don't know. He used to preach with a cigar, and he had a little shot tumbler of scotch and stuff. I've met with our leaders, and I've tried to, but they just won't go for it. One day, Charles Spurgeon was approached about his cigar smoking, and he says, look, I don't do it in excess, so don't worry about it. So that was just the time, but they had issue with each other, and, and Paul's dealing with that kind of stuff here. Look what verse 7 and 8 says, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. I'm in Romans 14, 7. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So it's this identity like, you know what? I'm not going to impose my likes or dislikes on anyone because it's not about me. God owns me. I'm the Lord's. That's what Paul's saying here. I'm the Lord's. I'm living for the Lord. And if God doesn't want me to do something, I'm going to comply. I'm going to be obedient to that. So then whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Verse 9 says, For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. And so the reason Paul's writing this is to convey the truth that God is the God of each believer. He's sovereign. 
and we're not. He's in control. My second point, and I'm going to end with this, Paul is correcting divisive notions of what is to be mature in the faith. These divisive notions that people have created that what they believe in their mind define what it means to be a mature Christian. He's, he's correcting that. Uh, to be strong in this sense, it, it's not synonymous with being spiritual, and being weak is not synonymous with being carnal. Okay? Romans 14, 10 and 11, he says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of, of God. For it's written, and I love this, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. There's going to be a time, listen to me, there's going to be a time, and I, I think I'm just going to end it right here. There's going to be a time where every single person who's ever lived, every single person on this planet will stand before the Lord. And everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you might be saying, wait, 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 wait what did you just say? What I just said. Every single person is going to stand before the Lord, and every single person will voice Jesus Christ is Lord. However, however, you always want to pay attention to those howevers, right? But, comma, or comma, but, listen, not everybody's going to spend eternity in heaven. Only those who are born again. Jesus said, the only way to see the Father is through the Son. The only way you can be saved is by being born again. It's not by how you dress, what you eat. Jesus has to be number one. My friends, I love you, but more importantly, God loves you. And it's so liberating when you get up under Christ. He frees you to, to live a life that's free. Now, next week, we're going to talk about some very specific things. There are times in the freedom that we have in Christ, there might be some behaviors or activities that we take part in that may cause a brother or sister to stumble. And so how do you differentiate that? How do you, how do you work through that as a man or a woman who loves the Lord? But I want to pray for you right now. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for Romans chapter 14. I just am amazed at how your word addresses and handles everything that we deal with in life. God, I thank you for how it encourages us, our spirits. Your word is true. It is without error. We can be encouraged by, by it, but we can also be corrected by it. And that's a good thing, God. Lord, my prayer today is that if there is someone here who hasn't been set free through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that today would be the day they would receive forgiveness of sins. They, they'd acknowledge who you are, Jesus, that you are Lord and Savior. Lord, my prayer also is if there's someone here who's not walking with you the way that they should, and Holy Spirit, you're ministering to hearts right now. 
Today's the day to rededicate your life to the Lord. If you're out in the patio watching online inside the sanctuary, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you need to do that today. The Bible says today is the day for salvation. If you have done that at one time in your life, or you can't remember, maybe today's the day you rededicate your life to the Lord. Make that commitment anew this morning, right here, right now. As every head is bowed and all eyes are closed, how many would give their heart? If you're out in the patio, how many online, how many of you would give your heart to Jesus Christ, receive the forgiveness of sins, receive God's love, have your name written in the Lamb's book of life, Receive salvation, not fear death because you're going to live for eternity. How many of you would give your heart to Jesus Christ for the first time? How many of you this morning would rededicate your life to the Lord? You're tired of living your life the way you've been living it, and you know that God's path is the path you must be on to truly live, to truly experience life. How many this morning would make a commitment to Christ if you would do and make a commitment to Christ, wherever you're at, even if you're online, outside in the patio, here in the, in the sanctuary, I want you to raise your hand up high so I can see it. Raise it up high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Over in the back on the side, God bless you. Outside in the patio, if you've raised your hand, God bless you. If you're online you're watching, raise your hand. God bless you. Now what I'd like you to do is pray with me. I want you to pray out loud. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess the Lord Jesus Christ with our mouth, believe in our heart, we will be saved. The Jesus of the scriptures, God's son who died on the cross and rose on the third day. I want you to pray this prayer. If you raised your hand, maybe you wanted to raise your hand, but you didn't. But you know you want to invite Christ in your heart. You know that you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. I want you to pray this prayer right now, out loud. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you for forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I now make you my Lord and Savior. I rededicate my life to you this morning. In Jesus' name. All God's children said, Amen. Amen. You know what to do right now. The Bible says all the angels rejoice in heaven every time someone gives their heart to the Lord and so that we join in with them when we applaud. I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. If you... Uh, received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or even rededicated your life, I want to thank you for your courage this morning. On the tables in the lobby outside in the courtyard, we have a, uh, my next steps card, and that's just something that I put together. There's four steps that I want to encourage you if you've prayed to receive Christ or even rededicated your life. I think this card will be helpful as far as what you can do next to grow spiritually. If you accepted Christ this morning, whether you're here or online, or you rededicated your life to the Lord, I'd like you to text, if you have the ability in a smartphone, to text the word PRAY to the number you see on the screen. 
or you can fill out a heart card called the connection card and they're on the tables in the lobby or out in the courtyard. I want to encourage you to do that because that way we can start a process where I can communicate with you and help you grow in your faith. If you need a Bible, we have Bible for you, a new believer's Bible, and I'm going to make sure that if you need one, I get that sent to you. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to thank you for joining us this morning, especially our veterans. You're loved. We support you. You need anything, you let us know. And as the service comes to a, a close, if you need prayer at Eagle Ridge Church, we believe in prayer. We believe that God still heals. We believe that God still does miracles. And so if you need prayer, our leaders will be here up in the front as the service is closing. I want to encourage you to come forward. We'd love to pray for you. If you have a praise report, we'd love to hear that too. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.